The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. Yes, Ive O'Neill is a senior climate advisor to Friends of the Earth and she's on the soapbox at six today to talk about the need, I understand, Sive, for us to uh, shift to a sustainable diet. I should probably ask, what is a sustainable diet? Well, when we're talking about diets, um, we're talking about the food that we eat. It obviously has to be nutritious. It has to meet our nutritional needs. Um, But it comes from the way that the land is used and then uh, resources are processed into products that are then transported. And we know that supply chains are extremely long in this modern world. So when we're talking about sustainable diets, we're talking about the food we're eating, but also how we manage the manufacturing of food, the processing mm. of food and also the disposable of, of food waste and minimising that. Um, the reason I thought it would be an interesting topic for you to uh, hear about is that it's one of the easiest ways that we as individuals can contribute to climate action because there's lots of things that we talk about that are really outside of the control of the individual, whether it's building more tram lines or wind farms and things like that. We can't make those things happen as households, but we do have control over what we eat and we also have okay. control over how we manage our food waste. So before we get into uh, the detail of it, I mean, there'll be people listening and think, oh God, no, Sai just wants me to eat what's <laughs> going to grow in the back garden kind of for 12 months of the year. Is that what you're asking people to do? Well, obviously, if you Three can, months of carrots. <laughs> well, if you're successful in growing carrots, you're you're doing extremely well. They're quite tricky to grow. So There's too many stones in the, the ground where the, I live. The, the, the truth is that we don't always have to go to the extremes to make a big difference, right? So, yes, if we can, you know, rely on locally, organically grown vegetables, that's fantastic. But many of us don't either have the garden space or the time to do that. But we can support growers who are. We can get involved in community gardens, for example, which are popping up all over the place where people share their produce and also allotments. So there are different ways you can get involved in growing and that's obviously contributing to sustainability in, in heaps of ways. OK, so give us a sense of uh, the scale of the impact we could have. In, mm. in, in other words, uh, I guess I'm asking what impact do our food choices at the moment and our diets and our mm. dietary patterns have on the climate? Well, we have a particularly unhealthy diet in Ireland. We eat a lot of uh, red meat and also dairy products. And these, apart from their health impacts, um, are also, unfortunately, the foods that have the highest greenhouse gas impact. And the reason for that is, and it's worth explaining, because even though these products are grown and developed in Ireland locally, Mm. it's not the local part of it that makes it sustainable or unsustainable. Transportation of food makes up a very small share of the total climate impact. It's actually the way that the land is used. And in the case of livestock, unfortunately, um, cattle need a lot of grain during the winter months when they're not outdoors. Most of that is imported because we ca- we're not self-sufficient in those feed imports. And then, of course, you have the enteric fermentation because they're ruminant animals. They mm. produce methane from their, their stomachs. Um, so unlike, for example, pig meat, it has a lower climate impact. Not that I'm recommending it. It can be unhealthy in other ways, but it has a lower climate impact just because of the genetic makeup of those animals. Um, so if you really want to tackle uh, your diet in terms of sustainability, um, the obvious message really is to cut back on red meat and dairy products. Um, depending on where it's coming from, um, the average kilogram of beef can have as much as uh, 60 kilograms 
of carbon dioxide associated with its production, which is enormous. And that's mostly to do with the land use. So the, the land that's used to grow the feed to feed the cattle. Now in Ireland we have lots of pastures, so it isn't it isn't in any way as bad. Mm. But even so, the Eat Lancet study, and this was something that was looking into what consisted of a sustainable diet, you know, meeting the nutritional needs with the environmental impacts. And they uh, came up with a figure of about 100 grams a week maximum of beef. Now, for some people, that's no bother. Some people would be very happy to eat 100 grams a month. But for someone used to eating a double beef burger every day, that is a change in habits. But it would be for the better. Um I'm often struck about conversations around kind of the, the, the size of the national herd, maybe in Ireland and, and, and people who call for it to be reduced, that what's missing in the debate is unless people actually reduce their consumption, then culling the herd here doesn't really do anything. It, it, it reduces our own emissions and helps us to hit targets. But if everybody is still kind of globally and including here in Ireland, eating the same amount of mm-hmm. meat and consuming the same amount of dairy products, you're kind of just moving deck chairs around the, the Titanic to a degree, aren't yeah. you? Well, you're, what you're doing is describing the phenomenon of carbon leakage, which is something we've heard quite a, lit, a bit about. The reality is Ireland is an unusual case. We, have a, we, we eat a lot of meat and dairy, but the reality is most of our produce is exported. Yeah. So, like, we're not eating the the produce that's generating all the greenhouse gas emissions. We couldn't. Um, just, just so much of it. About, over, about 90% of it is all exported. So we need to tackle it from both the supply and the demand side. And you're absolutely right um, that globally we need to have a conversation yeah. about sustainable it's, it's diets. Where, it's where yeah. I, I feel a bit of sympathy for the farmers listening to the debate sometimes when they say, you know, we need to kind <clears> of reduce our, 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 our beef and dairy exports to China. But like, unless the Chinese person we're talking about stops eating beef and dairy and they just get it from elsewhere. Yeah. It just it's carbon leakage. Then you know what I mean. So, so it's, it's just going to be produced by an animal in another country. That's true. But just to kind of alert you to the fact that we have drifted into this conversation of the big picture, and I was trying to talk about what ah, the yeah, individual no, household can do. But secondly. The, the truth is that we have been marketing these products. We have been driving exports. We have been trying to build this business and, and very successfully. Um, so I suppose we need to rethink the model of agriculture that's going to be fit for the 21st okay. century. And that is a global conversation that needs to involve international actors and the EU and the uh, uh, Food and Agricultural Organization. Well, let's bring it back then to the, the individual and the individual yes. dinner table. Um, so... I mean, give me an example of some of the, 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 the foods that might fall into the category of least sustainable uh, that we eat at the moment. How might they be impacted by climate change and what are the kind of the changes we could make? Yeah, well, I think that for countries uh, in the developed world where there's a high level of consumption of beef and dairy, the obvious thing is to cut back on those. And there are so many alternatives available that... If, if you're if you're very fond of meat and dairy, there are alternatives that are uh, convincing, but plant based. And when we talk about plant based, I love this phrase because veganism kind of puts people off. I think, especially in Ireland, there's a perception that that's somehow anti-farmer or something. But well, there's a perception I think that you yeah. have to become a vegan, which is the kind of it's, I have to, it's, it's a, I'm I'm kind of morphing going. into a different thing. Yes, it can be. It can be very challenging to think in terms of giving up everything. Um, although you know the rates of vegetarianism and veganism are growing, um, and it's it's a, it's a viable option for for all of us. I think you know, but the. But the the truth is you don't have to be 
according to the Eat Lancet study, it's about minimising the amount of beef and dairy you eat. Mm. And after that, unfortunately, and it's so depressing on the day that's in it, the foods that come next in terms of their climate impact are actually chocolate and oh, coffee. Oh, no. I know, it's terrible. And drinking a coffee. Yeah. It's, they're even worse than prawns, palm oil, pig meat, poultry meat and olive oil. In fact, the olive oil crop in Spain has had a, a terrible couple of years due to drought and this is related to okay. climate change. So the cost of olive oil uh, has gone up quite a lot. Now, you think olive oil is a very natural product. Why does that have a climate impact. It's yeah. the processing. It's not the transportation. You have to process the olives to extract the oil and that is, involves a lot That's of energy. That's interesting because people mm. talk sometimes about you know avocados and shipping them halfway around the world. And others, I, I've heard the argument and maybe even from you, it's not the shipping that's the problem actually. It's a lot of the water that goes that's into it, avocado yeah. farming is what you should be worried about. I had a feeling avocados were going to come up but so you know I what? looked it up. They've <laughs> actually, we only heard about half an hour ago from Emmett Oliver, our business editor, that the consumer price index, you know they use this mm. kind of fictional shopping trolley, craft beer and avocado has been added to it. Yes, that's Today. interesting. They are expensive, um, but notwithstanding the cost of them, they're very popular. Um, but I looked it up, actually, and a pack of two avocados has an emissions footprint of about 850 grams of carbon dioxide. So that's, you know, n- you know, uh, what's that? Four fifths of a kilo. And that's almost twice the size of one kilo of bananas. So if you're trying to think about the weight of the carbon dioxide, it's, you know, twice as heavy as, as a pack of bananas. Wow. Okay. So there's a lot of emissions associated. But, it, you know, thinking about it like that is terribly abstract. If you had to go shopping with a little kind of calculator with you all the time, working out the emissions impact, that would be a nuisance. Mm. I think you, you do have to just go by a sort of a sensible rule of thumb, which is, you know, eat plant-based, eat as local as possible, eat seasonal food, eat food that you're not going to waste because actually food waste is a major contributor to the problem and it's something we forget to talk about when we think about the emission impact of food. We waste an extraordinary amount of food in Ireland and a lot of it is completely avoidable if we were paying higher prices for our food and if we were uh, treating food waste properly and not putting it in the ordinary bin, composting it and minimising it, reusing leftovers and that kind of thing. And Food Cloud which is an Irish charity. They've been in operation for 10 years and they have great tips on their website about how to minimise food waste and use leftovers and things. Can I go back to chocolate and coffee? (laughs) Okay. What's the problem? Well, unfortunately, chocolate and coffee are uh, commodities that are grown in pretty specific parts of the world that have very particular climates Mm -hmm. um, to which the coca uh, bean uh, trees have adapted. So there's uh, quite a lot of coffee uh, coffee and um, chocolate grown in in, in South America. But in the case of chocolate, 70% of the cocoa is grown in West Africa. Okay. And a great deal of it in the Ivory Coast, actually. So uh, the problem there is that those countries are experiencing climatic changes. They're experiencing more uh, unreliable levels of rainfall. The trees are stressed when they're experiencing drought. And when the trees aren't productive and the yields are dropping, that leads to more deforestation because these farmers earn a tiny fraction of the value. The average bar of chocolate 
whatever we pay for it, uh, 150, 2 euro, something like that. The cocoa farmer only receives 6% of that in their income, which is why supporting fair trade chocolate makes such sense because they get a much better mm. minimum price for their product. But the, the problem is that both coffee crops and uh, the cocoa bean um, are very vulnerable to climate change because of where those trees are adapted to. And in fact, the estimates are that uh, the 50% of the coffee crop globally is going to be under threat by 2050, so, sorry, which is so not it, that far away. So is the issue with coffee and chocolate just that it's under threat or that it, it is also responsible for very high emissions in terms of the manufacturing so, process? So both, yes. Oh, right, okay. So in that list that I read out, it oh. has a very high climate impact. Bad on both fronts. And then it's, it's again, it's processing, it's water, it's everything else. But the environmental impact is not just about the climate because when you have, you know, farmers producing at very low incomes, very often with child labour involved as well, they're so environmentally stressed by you know, weather events, that that can drive deforestation as yeah. they seek to expand the area under cultivation. But the trees themselves um, are not necessarily going to be adapted to the climate changes. So obviously there's a lot of agronomic research into finding cultivars that are going to, you know, perform better. And the case of coffee, that's particularly challenging because in fact, uh, the world mostly drinks just two varieties of coffee, Arabica and Robusta. And they're quite different flavours. Mm. So if we switched from one to the other, the consumer preferences might not be satisfied. Right. So they're doing a lot of research into alternative cultivars. And that's obviously an area where there will be potential. Same with chocolate, including fermentation. I didn't even know it was possible, but there is such a thing as a kind of coffee beanless coffee and a cocoa beanless chocolate. Which oh, not sure about that. <laughs> coffee juice. Um, On the day that's in it, it's a bit mean to be talking about that. Is, is but, there, before yeah. I let you go, I mean, is there yeah. a way of, of, of making this simple for people out there who've got a lot of stuff going on and they're going to do the shopping yeah. and they may have kids hanging out of them while they're doing it and the last thing, as, as you say, that they're going to be doing is taking out a calculator and working out the kind of the carbon emissions. I mean, is there a role for supermarkets to play in packaging? I know, right, you might say we should have less packaging but set that argument yeah. aside for a moment in terms of colour coding or just something to, to, to ease the decision making process I, I I think there there is first of all I think common sense applies if you know a few basic facts plant based is better and try to minimise meat and dairy and so on and, and certain types of fish as well are problematic uh, and then try to seek out local seasonal produce minimise food waste uh, and in, in, when it comes to the chocolate and the coffee they're, the best alternative is to seek out the fair trade label they're quite prominent logos that most people will be yeah. familiar with and those fair trade products are not just alternative kind of eco brands that you'd find in a health food shop under the, they have a growing number of them it also includes some of the, for example, Cadbury's bars and other kind of more mainstream chocolate brands, some of their bars have the fair trade logo, not all. But, but you know, when you, when you can identify that, it does make the job a lot easier. Saif O'Neill, Senior Climate Advisor for Friends of the Earth. Saif, a pleasure. Thanks a million for joining us Thanks, uh, on the show. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.